0: Good morning everyone. Our Bible reading this morning is taken from Colossians chapter 1 verses 15 to 23. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, And by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled. In the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. Father, we thank you for your word and pray a blessing as we hear Peter this morning.
1: Thank you very much for the reading and for your prayer, Barry. Um, Beautiful prayer, that was. Uh, Just a a quick uh, starter for for you. Solari, uh, on the 15th, is going to be speaking at the the women's event, for sure. But she won't be speaking to you today. She had an operation on her uh, vocal cords on Wednesday... So she can't actually physically speak at the moment. I think today she's technically allowed to speak a little bit, but if everyone's trying to to talk to her, she won't be able to talk very well, so she'll be very soft and very softly spoken. Um, She's a softly spoken person anyway. You'll find that out in time. (laughs) Um, But uh, today, more so than any, if you go up to her and start chatting to her and she doesn't chat back, she's not being rude. She's just being... uh, caring for her throat. Um, so pray for her as she recovers, because her voice is her role. She's a teacher, and she's also... Um, she's been a, a, a worship leader and a singer in, uh, in the past, in the last few years. It's been hard for her because she hasn't been able to do that because of this problem with her vocal cords. So pray for her if you've got uh, some space to do that. In, uh, in 2013, a little while back, Time magazine brought out a list of the top 100 most significant people in all of history. They do 100 most influential people every year. But this was a list of the top 100 people in history. And it wasn't based upon getting a whole lot of experts together and saying uh, this is why this person should be here and there. It was based more upon uh, aggregating millions of traces of of opinions and, and looking at Google stats, all those stats that people... are that. They, uh, they bring together, and they brought it into a list. Now, Jesus is in that list. Jesus Christ made the list of the top 100, but where did he, where did he write? Does anyone want to have a guess at where he ranked in the top 100 most influential or significant figures in all of history? Anyone want to take a guess? Who, who thinks top 50? Yeah, yeah, top 50, okay, good. Who thinks top 20? Yeah, we've got some. Who thinks top 10? Okay. okay, who thinks top five? Who thinks he would have topped the list? Yeah, there's still a few that think he's top the list. And he did. He topped the list. <laughs> Hooray for Jesus. <laughs> he topped the list, number one. In front of... It's a stab in the dark. Anyone want to have a stab? Who came number two? Gandhi. Gandhi. No, he wasn't. Actually, he wasn't even in the top four. Napoleon. Napoleon, I oh, know. Um, then there was Muhammad, and then there was William Shakespeare. He would have been my number fourth, of course. Um, in the list, we also got the Apostle Paul. He made it into the list at number 34. King David came in at number 57, and St. Peter came in at 65. Um, I looked in saw, to see if there was any Kilside South Baptist church people in there. <laughs> Unfortunately, not at the moment. <laughs> Watch the list. Give it a, give it a few years. Um, Likewise, we have the Bible is the number one selling book of all time. So we have Jesus as the most significant person, the number one most significant person in history, and we've got the Bible as the number one best-selling book of all time. So I can only make the assumption, for those who love Jesus, that, that the Bible is the book that we read the most, and Jesus ranks number one in our lives as well. I can only make that assumption, that that's... The case. But I wonder if that is the case in your life. Is he the first person you think of when you're making a decision about how to treat your husband and wife in uh, an argument? Or how to treat your parents when you're really upset with the decisions that they've made? Is Jesus number one in your life when a moral or ethical dilemma sort of grabs at you and your workplace? In your thoughts, where does Jesus rate in there? When you're thinking about spending your money or where you put your time into, where does Jesus come into your decision-making process? You know, Jesus, he asks this of his disciples even. He says, who do you say I am? Where do you rank me in the process of your life? Who do you think I am? Am I just another person to you? Where do you rank me in your top 100? So this morning we're going to continue on our series on growth through the book of Colossians. Continue. And we're going to consider what is our basis for growth, our foundation for growth. And look at what many scholars believe was an early church hymn and what is possibly, probably, most likely, the most densely saturated verses of Scripture regarding the person of Jesus Christ. So that we may be reminded of why Jesus should be number one in our lives. You know, in the middle of the verses that were read this morning is a verse that calls us back to doing just that, to placing Jesus as number one. It's verse 18 and it says this. It says that in everything he might have the supremacy. I think it said preeminence in the, in the version that we were reading. The NIV translation has supremacy and I like that. I like that word supremacy because it, it means supreme, doesn't it? It means supreme. Jesus is supreme. He's above all. He's superior to all there has never been, then there will never be another Jesus. Now, I'm not a Greek scholar at all. I've had limited understanding of ancient Greek. But if we look back into that that word translated for supremacy in the uh, NIV Bible, the word is proteiu. And it means to hold first place. To hold first. First place. So if we read verse 18 with this definition of to hold first place, we read it by saying that in everything he might have first place. I wonder if that's true for your life. Because if we work on this foundational truth, we're going to find that unless we put Jesus first in every aspect of our life, growth. In faith, is going to be slow and stunted. Growth in faith is going to be like the poor plants that sit in the backyard of my house, and, and they're sort of just sat in the corner of the backyard. We haven't got a big backyard, but they're sat in the corner, and I go out there, and I look at them and think, those poor, neglected plants. They get a water when God decides the rain should come, and the other, most of the other times, they don't, until I go out there and realize, oh, we've got plants out there. And, and they're all withered and small. And their growth is very stunted. The poor strawberries, there's a little green shoot of the strawberry plant that's coming through. I don't expect any strawberries from it. <laughs> growth. We talked last year. Growth is a continual movement, isn't it? It's a, a forward movement, I feel, for my poor plants. I think it's like two steps backward, one step forward for them. <laughs> but this morning, as we remember Jesus is our foundation... For growth, My hope is that we'll remember that when we leave today, Jesus Christ will be first place in each and every one of our lives, in every part of our life, that we won't do one step forward in Christian growth and then two step backwards because we forget that truth. Because hope in Christ actually sets the foundation for Christian growth. Let's pray and we'll get deeper into the word. Loving God, I pray that this morning as we hear from your word, that your word will... uh, Will, will change us, will move us, will make us fall more deeply in love with you, Jesus. Amen. So, as we get in the text, I want to read it through again because the text is, is so rich. And I just want to read it through. In six verses, from verses, we'll go up to 14. We didn't read verse 14, but 14 to 20. In those six verses, there are 15 truths about Jesus. And then I want to explore those truths a little bit to ask the question, why should I keep Jesus on the, on the number one list of the most significant people in my life? So let's, let's go through um, these 15 things about Jesus, uh, truths about Jesus. First of all, in verse 14, we didn't read this, but in him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. See, I could just stop here and we could do a whole new sermon series, couldn't we? Just on that. And it's the truth that I came to understand as a 16-year-old where, where I had two spheres of my life. I had my, my football life. So I was an Aussie rules player as a kid and I had the football life. And then I had this new thing that was starting for me. Uh, some friends who took me to youth group and I had to then see these two separate worlds work themselves out. I had this great new bunch of friends that I saw was so different to those in the football world they cared for people like these people they didn't care for people at all I I saw something in them that I went I want that I don't want that I want to know what's driving them I, I want to steer clear of them a little bit now I loved my footy group I did but they just didn't have that same thing so it was a footy culture And it wasn't until I understood uh, about Jesus, I got taught about who this Jesus was, and I understood about what Jesus had done for me, that I could actually live in the tension of both. I could live in this football world, knowing that I'd been rescued and saved, that I was new, that my sin had been forgiven and my two worlds could start to collide. In him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. Verse 15, he's the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation. By him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him. All things were created for him. He is before all things. In him, all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning. He is the firstborn from the dead. In everything, he is preeminent, supreme, holds first place. In him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. He reconciles all things to himself, whether on earth or in heaven, and he makes peace by the blood of the cross. What a What a resume. What a resume. That's the person of of Jesus. However, if you're anything like me, how quickly do I forget to put Jesus in first place? I encourage you this week to read through that list of truths about Jesus Christ. I encourage you, set an alarm on your phone on a daily basis at a certain time to go back to that list and read it. If you're musical, write a song to it, because that's what the, the first, uh, first uh, Christians did. They, they wrote songs. If you need to memorize it to, to keep it in your mind, do that. Because once it is, it's like the music that flows from your lips. You can't help but be engulfed by the person of Jesus. You can't help but have those foundations of faith so solidly set. That every decision that you make on a daily basis will be grounded in Jesus. And we're going to dig into the, the passage a little further and understand the role of Jesus in and through our lives as the foundation for our growth. We can break this song into two sections. And first, the first section is that Jesus is over all creation. If there are any doubt that Jesus should be number one in our lives, why is supreme? Well, this is it. First, we hear in verse 15 that he's the image of the invisible God, the image of the invisible God. We watched uh, The Avengers uh, Civil War the other day with the the boys, and if you haven't seen The Avengers Civil War, we like The Avengers um, movies, Um, there's all these superheroes fighting against each other, and they bang each other into planes, and they do all this stuff, they have a big fight, and no one dies because they're superheroes, so they're just, I don't see the point of them fighting, but anyhow, um, they're just going to knock but i've always thought if if i had a superpower invisibility would be the one it'd be a great superpower because because no one can catch you if you can't be seen that's my thought anyway Um, however a downside of invisibility would be that you actually cannot have an image you go and look yourself in the mirror to do your hair and you wouldn't see anything um there's, there's no image so but here in our text we hear that jesus is the image of the invisible god if God, who is unseen, was to look in the mirror, the, the reflection that would come back is Jesus. And we're not talking about a physical reflection here, are we? In Jesus, we, we see the fullness of God lived out in this human form. Jesus illuminates God in God's fullness. The person that we read about in Scripture is God in his fullness. In Christ, we see who God is. We see God, the Creator and the Redeemer. We see what God is like, a God of mercy and a God of love. We see what God does through Jesus, who came to earth, came down onto our level. It's all revealed in Jesus Christ. You know, we can acknowledge that we're all made in the likeness of God. We are. We read that in Genesis. We're made in God's image. But we are not an exact representation of God. We are broken people. But as we look to, God, to Christ, we see what God intended for humanity, the person of Christ. Not only is Christ the image of the invisible God, he's also acclaimed as the firstborn over all creation. Now, this doesn't specifically refer to To birth as we might consider the term firstborn. Tarquin's my firstborn son is not the same as what this is saying here. In Luke 2.7 we read that Mary gave birth to a firstborn, her firstborn, a son. That was the birthing process of Jesus as such. But the Old Testament puts this title firstborn uh, to the nation of Israel. It says my firstborn because of its position in God's election I suppose. Maybe it wasn't the first nation to be, but it was God's chosen nation. And so this tells us that Paul sees where Jesus sits in relation to every other part of creation. Jesus outranks it all. Jesus, the firstborn over all creation, is supreme over all creation. So as we move on in the text, we find that in him all things are created, which makes sense. Knowing Jesus' supremacy over creation, we can understand that they are created by him. We actually hear in verse 16 three three prepositional statements. All things are created in him, through him, and for him. Everything that has been created has been created and crafted because of Christ and for Christ. The most beautiful sunset... The, the largest elephant, the smallest microscopic organ, organism sitting in the depths of the ocean. It's all been created, why? For him, for the glory of God. However, if we're saying all things, it also encompasses things like those army of ants that ruthlessly attack our, our bread and our biscuits. <laughs> Don't you love them? <laughs> it includes Dictators that have sparked off wars that have encompassed the world. It includes those that have decided to, that it was their right to take the life of another. All creation was being brought to being through him, by him, and for him. It's good news when, when we're talking about a beautiful sunset or we're, we're looking into the vast snow-capped mountains of New Zealand whilst on a river cruise, is that right, Leon and, and Jeanette? Yeah looked amazing. I look forward to hearing more of the stories. <laughs> it was made for him, and we, bring, we can see the glory of God through it. But how can we make sense of this in the light of the evil that we see occurring in and through our world today? How can we say that, that Jesus is a supreme? All things were created in him and through him when there is still murder, greed, inequality, and injustice flowing throughout our world. It's a hard one to cope with a hard one to fathom isn't it and indeed paul specifically states in verse 16 that whether it's thrones or powers or rulers or authorities i wonder why i said that i wonder why he put those words into scripture why he didn't go with all the all the really great stuff he put these things in because he says they're all made by him and for him paul doesn't sugarcoat it by just saying all the good things are made for the glory of jesus and all the other stuff i will we'll leave that to the side why couldn't, why couldn't God just preempt it and therefore not make it? Why not just pass over that part of creation? Well, we're told that all things are made by him, for him, for his glory. However, Jesus didn't make things evil. They were not evil from the beginning. The book of Jude actually says that angels who did not stay in their own position of authority but left their proper dwelling, they made decisions. And we hear of human, humans all we're all like sheep who go astray and it would seem that all powers rulers and authorities whether visible or invisible to humanity have that same problem we all go astray each of us turns to our own way yet jesus christ is the image of god he is the firstborn and in him through him and by him all things were created and in him all things hold together all things hold together it's important that we hear that, because as we've talked and we've seen that all things us so much, yet he still holds all things together. I'm not much of a handyman. I mentioned that last week. You don't want me to come and do your shells. Um, <laughs> but I'm starting to learn. I'm starting to get it. I'm starting to get it. Um, my friend Andrew may not, may not realise that quite yet, but he, he, I'm starting to get it. As I researched how to hang a picture on the wall, I thought I'm going to have to find the studs bang the nails in and do all that. But then I came across these things. They're Velcro strips. Has anyone ever seen the Velcro strips? You stick one bit on the wall, you stick one bit on the picture, and you line them up and you just go plonk, and it sticks on. And I got it level, and it's on the wall. It hasn't fallen off yet either. that has been about four weeks now, uh, and I'm very proud of it. But they're strong. <laughs> they're strong. Um, it's holding up Craig's Hut above our, in our lounge room. It's fantastic. Not, not the whole of Craig's Hut, obviously. It's just a picture of Craig's Hut. Um, <laughs> <laughs> bond- the- these Velcro strips are-, are-, are bonded together and you hear them grab onto each other. They're sort of like little hooks that grab onto each other. They're bonded together. They're held together by this amazing force that holds and, and-, and sort of keeps it together. So the final part of this point here is that-, that through him, all things are held together. All things are held together, whether good or not so good. They're bonded together through Jesus. Jesus acts as this divine glue, the Velcro strips that hold creation together in place. When we hear of the mess that humanity is making of the world around us, we can still in the, live in this world confident because Jesus' Velcro, as such, sticks like fast to the Velcro of the world. God didn't just create, step back, and go, All right, world, you do your thing. We've got some, uh, our boys uh, have these fighting robots, um, they're little battery-operated robots, and uh, Leon loved them. He was, uh, he, was, he was right into it, and you've got to punch each other and the head falls off, and it's fantastic. <laughs> but it's not like God's sort of sitting back with the, the, the robots, uh, just letting the robots do the thing that he does through a, a remote control. God is engaged in this world. God didn't create it just to watch it disassemble itself. He sits and he, he, he watches over and keeps it all together in his grace. God remains invested in his creation. And if we look through the rubble that we make, we can still see the hand of God. We still see the uh, hand of God work in so many ways. We see a young couple, Ian and Ashley, heading off into the mission field because their hearts are to serve Jesus. We become excited because Franklin Graham's coming next week and he's got a message of hope that shares with such clarity that people that don't know Jesus will come to know Jesus. How great is that? We have hundreds of people in this church who have an influence of people all around in their workplaces through the the people they sit with in the cafes, through their schools. God is still at work all around. There is mess But God holds it all together. So Christ is Lord of creation and all that it entails. He's the image of God. He's the firstborn. He's supreme. All things are made in him, through him, and for his glory. And he holds it all together. It's pretty amazing. That's something to keep in your foundation. That's some reasons to have Jesus at number one of your your all-time, most significant people in history. But it goes on. Because, Jesus, because God then, uh, Paul then grounds us down to what Jesus is for us now. Because he goes to the next thing, he says, Jesus is the head of the church. So perhaps the first section, Jesus' action is, is, is somewhat beyond. It's, it's a creating. It's something that we can't grab onto in a tangible way. It's sometimes hard to conceive of a God who created such vastness to take the time to be interested in, in a lowly little old Pete from Kilsyth South. Why should I take the time of the Almighty as such? Yet as we turn to the second section of this song, we find the Almighty Lord of creation grounds right down into earth. The image of the invisible God, the creator of all things, becomes a tangible human being, firstborn of Mary, Experiencing every facet of humanity and facing the humiliation of a criminal's death. We are ground into the world in which Jesus lives. The first thing we hear in verse 18 is that Jesus is the head of the body of the church. The head of the body, the church. Paul has taken two verses to proclaim Christ as creator. Now he connects that creation to what we call this, the church. Christ as head of the church tells me that if all things are created by Him, in Him and for Him, then the church's chief goal must be therefore to glorify Him. That's got to be our chief goal as people of faith that come together on a Sunday, is to glorify God. I wonder if we get our ecclesiology, our understanding of church, mixed up at times and focus on meeting our own needs in church rather than fixing our eyes on Christ. Now, don't don't get me wrong. The church is here to serve one another, definitely. For as we serve one another, we serve Christ. But our focus must be upon Christ who is the head of the church. We come to glorify him. We gather together so that as we sing together, we recognize Christ's lordship over us. As we open the word, word, we're acknowledging the power that it brings to change lives. And this goes for when we're at church here on a Sunday, This goes for when you leave here and have a meal with your neighbour on a Sunday night. When you are an active part of the body sitting at your desk on Monday morning. When you're feeling the pressure of deadlines and in your workplace that doesn't show respect. You have Christ as your foundation. When the schoolyard is a place full of bullies and bravado and you don't feel like you fit in. Where the isolation of being a mum who's struggling with children, but on the outside it looks like you're doing so well. Christ is the head of all those situations. Christ is the head of the church, the body of believers who gather and who disperse. Christ is the head. Now Paul uses the, the metaphor of the body in other writings as well, doesn't he? He, uh, he emphasizes this, this dependency on one another, all parts working together well. However, this, in this writing, the indication here is that he confirms that the head is that that gives life to the rest of the body. The head directs and governs and, and brings life and strength to the rest of the body, us, as we need it. If we think of the head on our own shoulders, we're told by people who know a whole lot more than me that... It's our brains that produce the signals that relay messages for our arms and fingers to work. Take away the brain and nothing else works. It directs and governs the movement of our body, doesn't it? It tells us where we need to go and it brings life to the body. And so too, Christ as the head of the church brings the church to life as the church lives in worship to glorify him. Both as we gather here on a Sunday but when we're in our workplaces, schools, sports clubs, cafes, fellowship groups, wherever we might be. We're to keep Jesus as number one in our lives because he is the head that keeps us moving. Paul goes on to say that he's the beginning and the firstborn among the dead. Firstborn, once again, referring to a position rather than the actual birth. His position as resurrected Christ. And it's the resurrected Christ is not just about having those who follow him sort of going, I, I'll make it to heaven, just because Jesus' resurrection has brought me, brought me heaven as such. But the rest of, uh, of 18, verse 18, says that in everything, he's the resurrected Christ, that in everything, he might be first place. He might have supremacy, that everything else will be under him. We're not just in a holding pattern here on earth until Christ returns or until we die. Rather, Christ's death and resurrections count for us right here, right now, today. We're all part of the body which God exercises his authority over. And our aim is that we boldly live in that authority, going out into the world, so that in all things he may be glorified. Now, Paul finishes this section by uh, replaying the idea from the beginning that Christ is the fullness of God, the image of the invisible God, in every way God, yet reminding us that it is through him and through his bloodshed that we're reconciled back to him. Jesus truly is the firstborn over all creation. So indescribable, he's the firstborn over the church, its head. This is the gospel, that Christ, the creator of all, the head of the church, and the head of the church, was so consumed by you and I that he endured death that he did not deserve. That's great news. That's our foundation. It's great news that should spur us on to to love and serve in response. Indeed, if we finish with verse 23, which we read up to, We find Paul encouraging this young church in Colossae to take heed of this message. Don't just sit there. Rather, he says, continue in faith. Have that forward-moving motion. Move forward. You're established. This is what you're established in. This is what your foundation is. This is your base for growth. Now continue. And he says, do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. Don't move from... This foundation, it set you up and it will send you out. So for us, like the Colossians, we're to continue in faith. Continue to grow through that foundation that's set in Christ, the firstborn of creation, head of the church. He looks at the macro and he flings stars into space, yet takes time for the micro and listens to even my prayer. He's the one who made the heavens and the earth, the cockroaches that crawl up your leg that are gross. The possum who has that large glassy eye, but he also, the moon reflects off it, but also the moon that is up there. He's he's the, the macro and the micro. He's the head of the church. And we deserve to bring him glory and honor to him. If we turn full circle and come back to our 100 most significant people of all time. I'm not sure that Jesus will ever fall out of number one place in that list. That's my list anyway. I'm not sure that you can ever top Jesus. His resume stacks up. No one else can say they were creator of all things. No one else can claim they died, that all may be reconciled back to him. No one else comes close. So I wonder today, tomorrow... Throughout this week, where is Jesus going to sit in your most important list? How will Jesus influence the way you speak to your co-workers? How will Jesus impact your decisions when you're faced with pressure to do something that maybe you go and I'm not sure about? Where will Jesus be in your life? In Leonardo da Vinci's famous painting of The Last Supper, which uh, I think is back one one slide on the, uh, thank you, Mark. Um, the Lord's hands—I don't know if you notice that—they're empty. His hands, you probably can't see it, but you know the picture if you've seen it before. The Lord's hands are empty, and there's a story behind it. Da Vinci dedicated three years to this painting, determined that it would be his crowning work. But before the unveiling, he decided to show it to a friend, for who he had the utmost respect of his opinion. The friend's praise was unbounded. He said, the cup in Jesus' hand, it's especially beautiful. Da Vinci was very disappointed at this. And he began to paint out the cup, to get rid of the cup out of Jesus' hand. Astonished, a friend asked for an explanation. Why will you take the cup out of Jesus' hand? I was telling you, it looks amazing. And Da Vinci said this, nothing must distract from the figure of Christ. Da Vinci focused solely on Christ. He removed the distraction of the cup. And having removed the cup, he had to do something with his hands. (laughs) The left hand was already outstretched, just above the table, lifting it as if to bless and command. The right hand was now empty, so outstretched as well, and welcomes those to come to him, to make him Lord of your life. Will Jesus remain number one in your life? This morning, come back to the foundation that we have in Christ and continue to grow deeper in love with our Creator. Let me pray. Loving God, we can't remove ourselves from this scripture. We can't not be engulfed by it. Loving God, we can't, be moved, we can't not be moved by it. We must be changed. We must continue to grow Because our base, our foundation, is found in Jesus Christ. this Who who invites us into a relationship that makes such a difference to every day. May we be people who, when we leave this building, have Christ at number one in every decision that we make. That Christ will be seen in and through our lives through our speech, through our actions, that others will want to know, what is it about that person that is so different? Change us, Lord, by your spirit. Amen.